what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. This is our ongoing podcast show where we talk about the world of delivering excellent customer service to our clients, our coworkers, our visitors, whatever the situation may be, and doing it across a wide variety of organizations, no matter if it's a small, large organization, what we can learn from one another, what we can learn from people in the field, and from different expertise on how to deliver that awesome customer service experience. With me, as always, Ed Gagnon from Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you today? I'm doing great. How's it going, Alan? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. good. We're do- doing fine here. It's a Friday afternoon. Got a little rain outside, but otherwise, I think we're going to have a decent weekend, so we're kind of looking forward to that. Uh, good. Anything fun, interesting going on? What about the, your world at Customer Service Solutions? Anything of interest uh, to note? Uh, well, in the world of Customer Service Solutions, um, I guess the, the most exciting thing is we are – uh, expanding some of the work we're doing in the sports industry, okay. research in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty exciting that uh, those projects are going well and, and continuing. A lot of that is around fan relations, fan retention. Uh, and it's interesting because when you do work in sports, unlike some of our clients like local government and education and healthcare, uh, some of the work in sports is really something where you can put a dollar figure on it. It's very easy to say, hey, this is the impact if you attack these renewals. This is the opportunity if you get these cross-sell, upsell opportunities uh, identified. And all of that's being done through the research that we're doing. So we're really able to quantify here is your financial opportunity uh, based on the work that we did. I just Again, I know we've talked about the pro sports field in general and a lot of people not thinking about that in terms of from a customer service delivery standpoint. But – you know, as we've talked about and you've explained so well, there really is a lot to that, especially when you're talking about that um, retention of your your season ticket holders and other patrons you have. So that's right. Great. Yeah. And what about with uh, Jackson Group? Anything uh, in particular new or exciting going on these days or with Jackson Group Interactive? Yeah, well, all across the board, we're staying busy with things. The Jackson Group side, we're still rolling out some new different uh, patient customer satisfaction survey modules. We're working on some new modules for uh, nurse satisfaction in the healthcare field. And uh, on the Jackson Group Interactive side, we're still plugging away with a lot of new video multimedia projects. So we're staying, uh, staying pretty busy. Got Good. actually a couple surveys we're doing for some uh, law firms that are some change of venue perception surveys about some high-profile murder cases. That's, wow. Uh, that is interesting. There's actually another a, a case we're going to be working on. I'm not even going to describe it here on this podcast because it's extremely disturbing and it gets me <laughs> depressed to hear and think about it. Wow. But, um, you know, the idea of trying to find out if people in the community are aware enough of the of the, the case and what the uh, the conviction is to see if that's if they're going to be able to really pull off a fair trial or not in that county mm-hmm. or if they need to look at different venues. So that's a little bit of some public perception, market perception, a little different than what we normally do. But uh, interesting projects all the way around. So, yeah, yeah. Well, those uh, the markets are your future customers. So if you can get a little bit of a feel for what they're like in any kind of business, that helps. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I tell you, we're going to do something a little different. If it's okay with you today, Ed, on our our 
our show is that we normally dig into a topic. We normally get into something very focused on more of a instructional feedback idea generating type of thing where you've got some ideas on what maybe the world of customer service is moving us to. And then we end our episode with a story of the past month, either a positive or negative experience you and I both shared. I kind of feel like today is a little different because we're actually going to jump right to a negative story, that you, one that you and I didn't experience, but I think uh, has definitely gotten a lot of attention online uh, on the Internet. And it has to do with a, a phone call that was placed to a, uh, a very large cable Internet uh, TV provider called Comcast. And uh, somebody who recorded the call that they had when they were trying to call and basically get their service disconnected from Comcast. And the, the customer service hijinks that ensued. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on what we, what we experienced and heard with that call? Sure, yeah. Essentially, uh, the call from the longtime customer, I think nine-year customer of this cable company, uh, came in. Essentially, they were moving. They wanted to cancel the service. And you would expect that uh, the company would say, uh, you know, we're real sorry to hear that. We understand that you're moving. You know, we'd like to get in touch with you when you get to your new place. Let me go ahead and cancel that for you. Well, uh, essentially what happened was there were apparently about eight minutes of just horrible dialogue with the customer service rep. And the customer got so frustrated, they started recording the call. Mm -hmm. And as they say in today's vernacular, the call went viral. And uh, it actually, as of about two weeks ago, had about... 4 million plays online, uh, 4 million. So if you don't think customer service is important to folks, you just got to go out there, Google Comcast customer retention call and uh, listen. Like I said, it's uh, about eight or 10 minutes of just uh, horrible audio. And we're going to uh, pick out little snippets of that conversation today and chat about it. It's It's amazing what was happening in the call. And we'll talk a little bit about why it was happening and what could have been done differently. I think that's going to that's gonna be really interesting. I'm looking forward to that. This is a call I'm very familiar with. I'm fairly familiar with the individuals who recorded it as well. So we can talk definitely about that. And I'm looking forward to digging in some of the more memorable quotes or lines that were used in that call as well. Yeah. Before we get into that, Ed, if it's okay, let me just interrupt just for a second and just let everybody know who's listening. You know, first off, yes, you're listening to the TV here with Stepping Up Service. We appreciate you listening. We'll get back to our topic here in just a moment. I did want to let everybody know we're very proud here at the Mesh to be partnering with a, a key sponsor of ours, the Greater Hickory Kia Classic Golf Tournament. And that golf tournament is taking place October 13th through the 19th of this year, 2014, at Rock Barn Golf and Spa, located in beautiful Conover, North Carolina. Conover, Ed, is just uh, maybe 15 minutes away from where we are right now, the studio that we record in. In mm-hmm. uh, Western North Carolina, beautiful area, beautiful golf course. And the Rock Barn uh, Golf and Spa really just do, up, do it upright with this golf tournament. It is a big PGA-level tournament that goes on every year. And I think they've been having the, the, the tournament here for at least, gosh, at least 10 years, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's been quite a while now. Uh, a lot of fun. And uh, we've talked about this before. Are you a golfer? Yes, and I've actually played Rock Barn once. It was uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, and I, I loved it. I mean, uh, the course, I'm not, I think there's a couple courses. The one I played, it was cut out of the trees, cut through the trees, essentially, you know, hills, uh, very natural-looking, beautiful place. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, you know what one of the course's names are, right? No. Uh-huh. It's the Jackson course. Seriously? Yeah, I think one of them's the Jackson course. I'm almost positive about that. So is, is that after you or Tony? Oh, I'm sure it's after me. I mean, okay, I, yeah, excellent. Know, granted, I've never played out there before. 
but I'm sure there's probably some rationale for them naming a golf course after me. That would make perfect sense. <laughs> no, it's uh, Rock Barn, just a great facility. But this, this tournament, I have been to the tournament several times. I'm not a golfer myself, but I love going to watch and be a part of the tournament. They just put on a great job. Uh, October 13th through the 19th, you can get your tickets and information about the tournament online at www.greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. I know that's a long web address, but just spell it out, the whole name of the classic. It's greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. It's where you can get your tickets, more information about the tournament. And I'm putting out an open invitation to all of our Mesh listeners. If you are making a trip to come into the Conover-Hickory area to see this golf tournament in uh, October, drop us a line and let us know. We'd love to have you drop by the Mesh Studios as well and sit in and be a part of our participatory guest uh, audience here for any of our shows. We have a lot of fun with it. So now this does not count if all you're doing is you already live down the street from us here. You cannot claim that you're traveling into Conover area to go to the tournament. If you already live here, we want people who are actually making a physical trip to come in for the golf tournament. Contact us. Let us know. We'd love to have you here as our special guest on the Mesh. So... Ed, let's get back to our, our topic that I'm really excited about. Sure. Talking about the Comcast retention call. Again, as you said, setting it up, uh, this is a, a gentleman who recorded his phone call that he was having with Comcast when they were calling to cancel service. Now, let me give you just a little bit more background because the two individuals who recorded this, uh, Ryan Block and Veronica Belmont, married couple, they're both very uh, heavy in the tech industry, which, of course, kind of gives them a little bit more of a vocal audience when they put this thing out there. But I don't even think it mattered how popular they were. I think once it got viral, it's taking off on its own. But they are moving to a new location, and they were wanting to cancel their Comcast service, like you said. So they called. My understanding is this call had already been going on for about five or ten minutes before they started recording. Yeah, ten minutes. Ten minutes before. So basically, they've been trying to get their service canceled. And they got frustrated to the point of saying, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this is going on so long that they started recording the call just to let everybody else see and hear just how ridiculous it was getting. So talk us through some of the nuggets here and what can we learn from some of these aspects of this call? Okay, just to get right into them, and this the transcript that I looked at, and I've listened to this a couple times. The transcript only covered the first couple of minutes, but I've listened to it a few times. And I'm going to give you quotes from the customer service rep after 10 minutes of dialogue already. This is one thing that the retention or customer service rep said. Okay, so why don't you want the faster speed? Help me understand why you don't want faster internet. So after 10 minutes of already talking about whether or not to cancel, he's basically like he's basically saying, you know, why are you an idiot? Why why would you not want faster speed? Why would you not uh, want a faster internet? And it was uh, interesting because uh, if he really wanted to know the reason. Uh, in terms of why this uh, customer was wanting to cancel, he would have said, um, you know, I'd be happy to help you cancel. Can I just get just a couple quick questions just to help us moving forward with other customers? You know, what are one or two main reasons why you're leaving? Um, and just ask it like that. But no, 10 minutes into the call, he's saying, you know, basically, why are you so dumb that you would not want faster speed? So that'll give you a flavor right off the bat in terms of the tone of the conversation. Yeah, it, was, it, it became a very demeaning type of interchange with those kind of questions because, you know, again, it's I understand from a sales standpoint, you want to make sure you're selling the benefits of staying with this company as a, as a customer, but not do it in a way that makes the customer sound dumb for making the choice that they're making. 
mm-hmm. mean, and, and assuming that the fast internet speed is the only thing that would keep somebody engaged with a with a with a company like this is also not a very very smart move on that. So, right. And uh, another example, um, uh, the customer asked, "Well, you know, why why can't you uh, go ahead and help me cancel?" Uh, and the quote from the rep was, "Because my job is to have a." conversation with you about keeping your service, about finding out why it is that you're looking to cancel the service. So in this sense, he was actually being a little bit honest. You know, he, he, his goal is to have a conversation about you keeping the service. His goal is not to actually help you cancel. So right there, at least he's being a little bit obvious about that. But but his real job should have been to understand what those reasons were. And if they're retainable issues, fine. But if the customer doesn't want to give you a reason, can't. You know, if, if they give you a reason and, uh, you know, it, it is one of those reasons where, you know, it, it's something that totally makes sense, cancel. I mean, why would you argue? Your, your job as a retention specialist might be to retain, but your job in terms of serving a customer is to really do what they'd like you to do. And uh, this is one of these cases where he was being blatantly honest, and uh, his job description probably was uh, not written for somebody who wants to be good at customer service. My understanding of the way things were working in the background is obviously these specialists, these retention specialists, were being tasked with you know, not letting anybody cancel on their watch, basically. It's kind yes. of the mentality. Do you everything, say everything you can to try to keep them from canceling. Uh, the gentleman that made the call you know, it was very clear he he was not really interested in giving a reason for why he was canceling. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I can understand a, a rep wanting to maybe follow up one or two times just to see if they can get any reason from the customer. But once you've asked those couple of times and the person has very firmly said, I don't have a reason or I don't prefer to give you a reason, that's kind of the end of it. I mean, that's, the, yes. you know, mark it as a sorry, no reason given and move on and help them discontinue their service. I mean, the fact that I think that I heard the question on this call, just the eight or nine minutes we listened to, I heard that question of why are you leaving us at least a dozen times, at yes. least. And uh, it, it was very clear to the person, the customer, that how frustrating it was to have to say over and over again, I don't want to give you a reason or I don't have a reason to give you, you know? Yes. And when those questions were being asked and, and the customer basically started to get frustrated and was not answering why he got to the point. And I've done this before with folks, you know, I, I, I don't want to give you a reason. I just don't want the service, you know, just, because, you know, once you give them a reason, they're going to come back and try to fight you with an objection, fight your objection. Uh, this is how the employee responded. It sounds like you don't want to go over this information with me. I mean, if you don't want to go over the information, OK, then that's the easiest way to get your account disconnected. So it's almost like uh, he's blaming uh, the the customer for not answering his questions. He's making yeah. the customer feel guilty for for not answering those questions. And when he said uh, that's the easiest way to get your account disconnected, he was talking about the customer actually bringing their product down to a physical location and disconnecting there. And that's just flat out a lie. The the easiest way to get it disconnected was if 10 minutes earlier, the employee would have said, okay, and canceled the service. That's right. Well, there again, it it, it is very clear that he knew that if he could get these guys to go to the store and cancel there, then the cancellation is not on his watch. It's not on his timesheet. Uh, right. He doesn't have to worry about it. And it became very clear that that was the, the process he was following. Um, yes. 
you know, and it's, I want to, I want to ask your opinion a little bit about some of the script, sure. the scripting of these calls. But once, once uh, you've gone through the different quotes, we want to, you want to pull out, I've got some thoughts and questions I want to ask you about it in general. Okay. Yeah. I have about two or three more and then I'll, I'll pause. Feel free to ask that. And then I'm going to go into just some general observations about the rest of the call. But one that was interesting uh, is very similar to one we talked about earlier. The employee says, so I mean, being that we are number one provider of internet and TV service in the entire country, okay, why is it that you're not wanting to have the number one internet rated, number one rated TV service available? Mm-hmm. You know, again, why are you an idiot? Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's what's implied. And what makes it more so, it's not really coming across in my voice, but this particular rep was talking fast. Mm-hmm. This particular rep uh, was interrupting the customer yes. multiple times, talking over the customer at times. I mean, it's just, if you want to hear an example of horrible customer service, uh, you, you would just listen to that. Now, I understand maybe he was given some guidelines and direction to do that and incentives to do that, but surely I hope not every customer retention call goes like this, because if it did, uh the Comcast would, um, uh, and maybe they are, they would, I know they have a horrible reputation for customer service, but this is part of the reason why. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, what I think is interesting there is the style of this person's dialogue. Yes, it was abrasive. It was tough to listen to, but I guarantee you, I mean, just from what I understand, I mean, you know, it's, it's there against that whole scripting side of things. It's like, these are the different decision tree paths you're to follow when somebody wants to cancel right he may have been taking it way to the extreme but regardless he was still doing basically what he was hired to do at that point it seems like yes and that's what's more concerning than anything supposedly the guy who recorded this has gone on record as saying that you know i'm not looking to have this guy fired he's like i'm looking to see comcast in this example change the way they handle this retention strategy in general he's like this guy just was just following the script and doing what he's supposed to do uh, so that seems to be the bigger, bigger issue there. But yeah, uh, regardless, this guy obviously interrupting, just almost berating the customer uh, was very, very frustrating to hear. Very, very frustrating. Right. And you talked about berating the customer. Here's another quote that's along those lines. Uh, okay, but I'm trying to help you. Okay, you are not letting me help you by declining answers by doing all this. I'm trying to hear you. So it's like, you know, I really, really, really want to help you, but it's your fault that I'm not. Now, this is 12 and a half minutes into the call, yeah. and he's blaming the customer for not having canceled the service, it's, something he probably could have done in the first 30 seconds. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I want to do, I'll go ahead and let you, uh, have you ask your question in a second. But after doing that, uh, just talk a little bit in general about some of the other key points that were uh, made uh, and inappropriately made by the customer service rep in the rest of the call. What I'm really curious about is this whole notion of scripting, because that's something that's really kind of got me thinking a lot after listening to this guy on this call. Is Again, I know he's probably got a goal and a quota, and he doesn't want anybody disconnecting on his watch. However... Sure. He obviously had certain phrases and lines and things that he knew he was to say, he was to ask, he was to inquire. And maybe a magic number of times something has to be said to him before he would let it continue to the next phase. I mean, did you did you pick up from this from what you heard in this call? How heavy was it scripted, do you think? Or how much of it was just this employee was taught that you don't let anybody disconnect, you know, uh, there, there was definitely scripting uh, because when they say something like the number one internet service provider, we are five times faster than the others. He was bringing up megahertz, this megahertz, that uh, when you're bringing up features, uh, 
yeah. or you're bringing up differentiators from competitors uh, and you're going over and over again and in a way that it, it sounds like it's very second nature to him. He is being taught uh, these key points. Um, so the question is, there needs to be some discernment on the part of the employee. When, when do you emphasize key points and when don't you? And from a retention standpoint, you know, you, you don't want to get into an argument. We, we talk about the service recovery uh, technique that we've talked about in one of these shows where it, it's a four-step process. You listen up front. Well, this employee interrupted mm-hmm. uh, the, the customer. He didn't really listen. Second, you empathize. You know, I'm, I'm sorry this has happened. You know, we're, uh, you know, I can see how frustrating that, that this, this this process is. Or he didn't do any of that. You accept responsibility and apologize. You try to keep emotions out of it. Don't get defensive. He was very emotional. He was oh, yeah. bringing emotions into the conversation. And then you deliver on a remedy or you deliver on a solution. Well, he avoided the solution. So he did absolutely everything wrong from the the service recovery perspective. And that's because he was not a customer service service recovery person. Mm -hmm. He was a hardcore salesperson put into a, quote, customer retention department. Uh, And one thing, he, he might be thinking very transactional, but he wasn't thinking about the word of mouth. He wasn't thinking about repeat business. And this is one of those cases where that one horrible, excruciating, painful, documented, recorded moment of truth uh, is not just one lost transaction. This is something that is hurting, uh, not irreparably, I'm sure, because they already have a bad reputation, but hurting uh, the reputation and the financials of Comcast. All right. Let me... Let me be the contrarian for just a moment and ask ask a Ooh, question. Yeah. Excellent. Let me try this and see. And this is going to be tough for me to say because I don't necessarily agree with what I'm saying here, but let me ask it. <laughs> um, so what if I were a Comcast executive in this situation and I'm hearing all these people online and everywhere talking about this saying, you know what? When these guys called and said they wanted to cancel, you just let them cancel. You don't need to drag it on. You don't need to turn it into a big thing. But if I'm a Comcast executive, I'm saying to myself, you know what? But I don't want people calling and just being able to say, I want to cancel service, and we just let them go. Okay, sure, no problem. We'll take care of that right away because that is hurting business. That is losing business very easily when maybe our customers don't always understand some of the benefits they could be taking advantage of or the services that we could be providing them. Sure. How do, we, how do, how do you argue that? How, how do you, what would you say to Mr. Comcast executive if, if, he, if he said that to you? Well, I'd say a couple things. First of all, you got to look at it strategically. You have to say, how is this going to impact my brand uh, if we do it in a very negative way? How is this going to uh, impair the opportunity for repeat business? How is this going to impair the word of mouth? Secondly, you have to look at it and say, well, how can we get that information in a very professional, appropriate way. So you can say, well, during the call, could we, like in the example I gave earlier, could we say right up front, uh, definitely sorry to hear that you're wanting to cancel. uh, And I can definitely do that for you. The process takes about a minute to a minute and a half. Would you mind if I ask you one or two quick questions before we started the process, just so I can get a feel for what the core reasons were. So you can address some of that up front. Uh, And then if there is something under certain circumstances that is an objection that the customer was willing to provide you, 
uh, you, you can give them the option of still canceling or addressing that. So leave, give the customer the option. Or you could research it. Something that we've done with a lot of our clients is conduct a- exit interviews where you literally go ahead and cancel the service. And then a week, a month, three months later, depending on what type of businesses it is, you call back your former clients in a very customer service oriented process, not a sales process like we just li- uh, are listening to. You are soliciting uh, the reasons for that exit. So there's a lot of ways that you can do it. Um, but it, it's one of those situations where it's got to be part of the culture. It's got to be aligned with your organizational goals. And Comcast, if they're like our local uh, near monopoly uh, technology Internet providers, is probably one of those organizations that's a very heavily marketing focused company, very heavily sales oriented company. They do a lot of advertising uh, and that's what their culture is. That's what their mindset is. That's where they spend their dollars. Um, and. They, they're not very customer service oriented. So that's the assumption I would make based on how this call went. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. I did hear some people on some online chatter having a little bit of that rebuttal about, well, you know, they're a business. They're trying to keep part to keep customers. I think what you're keying in on is that, you know, it's more important to let the customer do and make the decision they are going to make. But you can still learn from that, that customer experience and get that data you need from them in a more customer service way. Basically, the call we were listening to is, you know, everything was a, basically he was holding the disconnection up for ransom until yes. he got more details that he could try to combat and argue with. Yes. That's, that's the opposite of what needs to happen. Yes. You're, you're, you say, yes, we're going to disconnect you. Absolutely, not a problem. Nothing's going nothing's to hold you, us back from doing that. However, we still would like to get some information so we can better improve our service in the future for other people. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of like uh, if you've ever watched the show Shark Tank, uh, which is on Friday nights where these millionaires, billionaires are listening to brief pitches from these entrepreneurs and, right. and they bid on the pitches. Well, one of them, uh, the gentleman they call Mr. Wonderful, uh, <laughs> if he loses out on a bid on some entrepreneurial idea, he says, you're dead to me. And it's almost like Comcast is saying, well, if they don't want to be a customer of any uh, of ours anymore, they're dead to us. You know, I don't care what they think about us after they cancel the service. That's irrelevant. We lost them. Who cares? But we're going to do everything we can to keep them. So, so there's no middle ground. It's either we keep them or basically w- we let them loose and we don't care what kind of a last impression that we made on that customer. And unfortunately, when you make a horrible last impression, especially in the, this day of social media, uh, you're really hurting your own bottom line long term. So, so what does a company like Comcast do? Let's say, okay, let's just say that uh, you have a company, you have a part of that company that is focused on client retention, and let's say this was an isolated incident. Okay, let's say this was sure. one employee who just decided to go rogue. And say, you know what? I don't want anybody canceling under my watch. I'm going to go and I'm going to fight this as hard as I can. And now this is out there with all these millions of listens and views. 
let's say you are the uh, running the company and let's say it's not Comcast. It's a company that overall has a generally good reputation. Sure. What do you even do in that situation when you've got this employee who's now created this incredibly negative perception of customer service for your entire company? If you're asking what you do internally about the employee and that sort of thing, I mean, some of it has to be uh, coaching that one individual employee and looking at their record and saying, is it, do they have a history or is this just a one-time occurrence? Um, and if it is something that uh, is prevalent in such a strong way uh, among many staff or it's such uh, a unique and horrible situation like this, then you really have to look at your own organization and say, what, do we, what is it about our culture that enables us to hire people? this that mm-hmm. might encourage rewarding people to act like this what, what is it about us as leaders that encourages and motivates employees to talk to customers like this so it's very easy to blame that individual employee but something so egregious as this or, or something that is uh, such an uh, issue if it's pervasive among many employees at some point the organization has to look at themselves how do they hire how do they train how do they motivate how do they hold accountable what is that culture like and, and start looking for deeper root causes and, and therefore deeper solutions well absolutely and I, I don't for a second think that all the blame should be on the individual because this in, this employee i'm sure there's quality control efforts on calls there's people monitoring to make sure certain things are happening I I would definitely say you take a good close look at yourself as an organization. What kind of culture? I love the way you phrase that. What kind of culture are we creating that would cause an employee to feel like they can talk this way or act this way on it? If it's something that we've been pushing with, it's all about retention numbers. It has nothing to do with customer service. It's all about keeping numbers no matter what, then that's a problem. If it's a uh, a feeling, a a sense of pressure that that retention specialists have to meet certain quotas or else, then sometimes you're going to have employees who are going to go and over and above what they should be doing to try to meet those quotas. So you're right. It's so much to do with that culture. I'm glad you brought that up. That's, that's really important. And then of course, you know, what do you do looking to the outside public? I mean, all of a sudden now you've got this PR nightmare. I mean, do you address it? Do you respond directly? Do you try to let it flow and fall by the wayside? What do you do if you're, if you're Comcast in that situation? Well, first of all, you, if you think about service recovery, um, you, you got to recognize what's going on on the internet and that there was an error, you know, and, and say, you know, I'm very sorry that this happened. This is definitely not what our intent is with our customer retention department. We're going to uh, thoroughly look at how the situation happened, whether, uh, you know, there are certain changes we need to make internally. We're going to analyze this. And then in two weeks, we're going to come out with uh, some, uh, you know, a, a further statement or plan on what we're going to do. But uh, any executive that listened to that has got to realize how horrible it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't, then it, it truly is a cultural uh, issue, a leadership-driven issue. But you have to go out front. You know, you have to admit that there's something wrong, especially when it's so obvious, so out there, so egregious. Uh, you have to admit there's something wrong, uh, but don't admit necessarily uh, what the root cause is. Uh, don't necessarily just blame the employee. Um, you, you really got to do a little bit of an investigation. Make sure you have, as they say, your ducks in a row uh, before you actually present what, what's going to be different uh, going down the road. You know, Ed, I almost see it a little bit as uh, this, this example, this story going as viral as it, it could really be good for the entire internet, TV, cable industry from a customer service standpoint for, the, for us as end users. Mm-hmm. And I almost equate it to, uh, and this is going to be a little painful for me to talk about, but 
I almost equate it a little bit to the example of a certain university in our state that I'm quite fond of that had a situation recently come up where there may have been some instructors or classrooms that maybe were not providing quite the academic quality that they should have been. Now, as a university official, you may not have been aware of anything going on with that, but now it's made national news. You have to respond. I guarantee you other universities around the nation are seeing that so much of a spotlight is being put on this that they've now taken to themselves to go and review everything that they're doing in-house yes. to make absolutely sure that they don't have the same problems that could come up and bite them later. So yes. do you think this is a situation where you've got the Time Warners, the Charters, anybody who does online retention service are probably reviewing their own internal efforts to make sure they're as cleaned up as they can be? Uh, yes, at least for the short term. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're probably saying, keep in mind, uh, whenever you are on a call, it's not just what you're saying, but how you're saying it. Uh, keep in mind, in this day and age, anybody could be recording any call. It kind of reminds me when we do uh, service excellence training, sometimes we'll do modules on email etiquette. And we say, when you press that send button, uh, keep in mind what we call the Charlotte Observer test. The way technology is nowadays, and Charlotte Observer is our local newspaper in Charlotte, when you press send, that email could be on the cover of the Observer tomorrow. You know, the content, the decisions you make, what you say, it, it basically could be public information tomorrow. So you have to be armed with the knowledge that what I'm communicating through the airwaves, through email, and any kind of form that can be easily shared uh, is something that's going to be a reflection on you, on your company, and you need to use that as kind of an internal litmus test on whether or not you should word it differently, say it differently, communicate different information. So, yes, I mean, that hopefully they're at least communicating that to their staff. Now, some of them who are just like Comcast, probably very heavily marketing uh, sales focused, might be looking at this saying it'll blow over let's just tone down the rhetoric rhetoric a little bit tone down the push a little bit and then they'll go back to it in the future uh if their uh, retention numbers aren't as good as uh they they have been recently well i'd like to be the optimist and hope that maybe the whole industry starts to take a little closer look at customer service i'm afraid it's probably going to be more of that short-term approach that you just talked about where yes. it's a, okay, guys, let's just be, you know, mind your P's and Q's and remember you could be getting recorded. Yes. And that's a shame. I think this could be a good opportunity for everybody to really review how they're handling these processes. Because I've, I've heard horror stories from other places, not just Comcast. I think right. this is just the one that happened to get recorded and the people who recorded it happened to be very, very tech savvy and social media connected and got it out there really quickly. So Yes. Um, yeah, it's a uh, man. It was interesting to hear that call. And I thought as soon as I heard it, I'm like, yeah, Ed and I probably need to talk about this because this is so indicative of everything we've been trying to talk about for months now about what you don't do yes. <laughs> on, a, on a customer service experience. So, wow. yeah. yeah, a lot of lessons learned. You know, it's about the attitude of the employee that comes through in their tone of voice and, and what they say. It's about when you're in service recovery mode, try not to sell. I mean, that's one thing we talk about all the time. There are times to sell and there are times not to sell. And and I guess Comcast is all about sell, 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 even with an angry customer, sell, sell, sell. And it's about thinking long term rather than short term. It's about thinking lifetime value rather than transaction. Uh, and then there's also what you and I have talked about. It's that cultural component. What is the organization doing? Can the organization take some ownership over what happened 
in this call because, again, it was such a horrible experience that there had to be something beyond just one rogue employee that was driving this to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ed, thanks so much for your input on that and sharing sure. some of those quotes with us. That was great. And, again, I encourage anybody who has not heard this this 8- to 10-minute uh, audio, uh, if you do a search on Google anywhere or online anywhere, search for Comcast Retention Call, uh, you'll find it uh, almost guaranteed pretty quickly. Most of the tech news sites have been covering it pretty uh, pretty adamantly. Ryan Block is the guy who actually recorded it, and um, he's pretty uh, in tune on social media circles as well. So I'm sure you can find it without a whole lot of hassle looking for it. I do encourage you to give it a listen and maybe drop us a line, give us some feedback. What are some other things you think we can all learn from this call experience, and what are some other uh, do's and don'ts from that process that we can share with our listeners. We'd love to hear from you on that. Ed, do you have, I mean, I know we kind of spent the whole time talking about a negative customer service experience, even though it didn't happen to us. Do you have a story to share or was that, is that going to suffice uh, as your story today? I do have one. And unfortunately it's also negative, but okay. I do have one for today. Mine's negative too. So I guess we're just going to be everything negative today. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's all right. Why don't you go ahead and tell yeah. us your story here? Okay, I'm just going to bullet point 17 different communications very quickly. Oh, all right? Okay, all right. Yes. Uh, first of all, my physician suggested that I have a certain medical procedure. Okay. Uh, they called to schedule the procedure. Uh, I decided to get a CPT code to figure out how much this was going to cost. Yeah. I called for an estimate, and uh, I okayed the procedure based on what the estimate was. I had the procedure. Yeah. Then I received a bill that was about 60% above mm. the estimate that I was given. Okay. So I called billing. Uh, they said uh, that they did what they were supposed to do uh, in terms of the estimate they gave me, but they were given the wrong CPT. So I had to actually call my insurance company to oh. have them challenge it. Of course, you need to do that. I understand yes. that. Yep, yes. sure. Right. So I called the insurance company, and they said they had to call the office uh, to ensure that it was not warranted. So I called, left a message at the office, the physician office. The physician practice called back, said they don't give out CPT codes uh, to help with estimating. So I need to call the procedure scheduling. Mm -hmm. So I called the procedure scheduling. They said they don't give out CPT codes. So they suggested I call the estimating department. <laughs> so I called the estimating department who I had called earlier. They said they don't give out CPT codes, but their supervisor would call me back within a day. Yeah. Uh, they didn't call for a week, so I called them back. Uh, they called me back and said to call billing, and I ended up talking to the very first lady I talked to oh, wow. in billing. <laughs> so I ended up having 17 different communications oh with nobody accepting responsibility for an estimate that was 60% above the actual procedure cost. Gee whiz. And you know the really sad, scary thing about this, Ed? I know a lot of scary, scary, sad things, but well, tell me what comes to your mind. The fact is, is that I guarantee you there's probably people who are listening to that saying – Oh, I can top that, <laughs> especially when you're talking about health and insurance and all that. I mean, it's just a nightmare and it's a, just a lack of easy to, to navigate systems and just people always wanting to pass it on to somebody else. And it's, man, that is really annoying. It and was. that was only 17 steps because it sounded, it seemed a lot longer. So it could be longer, but I, I've basically said, forget it. Uh, they are charging me what, uh, for what? what they did for me. So even though the estimate was bad, you know, we'll go ahead and pay it. Wow. Uh, you know, and I hate to do that, but nobody's taking ownership over it and they are charging me for what I had done. So, so it's not like you you're getting ripped off. It's the problem is, is that they gave you an estimate. They went way over the estimate 
And instead of helping work with you to understand why the estimate was so far off, they're just basically sticking to their gun saying, no, this is the cost of it. Right. And the, the, the bigger, I guess, point from my perspective is if they would have told me the actual price in the estimate, yeah. I would not have had the procedure. Ah, I, I would have had the option B procedure, which was much oh, less. Oh, okay. So, so this so, actually would have impacted your decision-making exactly. process. Having more clear information on the front exactly. end. Exactly. Yeah, that stinks. That really yeah. does. Yeah, it's like uh, you, you order a car and it comes in and they say, here we go, that'll be $25,000. And you said, well, when you ordered it, you said it would be fifteen. Sorry, it's twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – how many people would actually buy the car for twenty five that they were told was going to be fifteen thousand dollars? Nobody would, yeah. but in this case, it's a little bit different because I already had the product, I already had the procedure. They can't go back and like just quickly reverse it or anything. So, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that would be nice. <laughs> wow. Well, man, I am sorry about that. I mean, not only was that an annoyance and frustration, but it it hit your it hit your pocketbook. Yes. Uh, more than it would, you expected it would have. And, of course, it has to do with health, medical, which is always right. a very sensitive nature for a lot of people anyway, too. So that's right. And just to clarify, the procedure did not cost 25000 That was just a car example. I, I understand, <laughs> yes. I yes. could certainly understand how that would be problematic if it had ran that much. So, yeah. boy. Well, mine, compared to yours, mine sounds like a, just a real pathetic first-world problem because <laughs> mine, is, mine is not really that big of a problem, but it's just a symbol for me of – how systems, integrating of systems and communi- and making things easier for the customer uh, just kind of tripped up on me. And unfortunately, it's a company that is really you know, highly valued as being very customer service focused and great high approval ratings. Uh, I had some problems with Apple just recently on uh, some iTunes movie purchases. And again, even me describing this, this sounds so pathetic to talk to to complain about when your you your situation was just so much more extreme and, and, and involved on things but we are looking at a situation where you know i i review films for another one of our shows here on the mesh network along with my uh cohort on the uh, film society so we end up renting a lot of films on itunes because they're films we're going to be reviewing and talking about you know we pay for it, the rental it might be five dollars every time we rent a film to watch uh it's cheaper than going to the movie theater sometimes to watch them obviously and I'm one of those guys. I'm an Apple guy. I've got the Apple TV at home. I've got the iPad. I've wow. got the phone. I've got the whole kit and caboodle. And one thing I always love about this stuff is they, they do work really nicely together, except when they don't. And when they don't, it's extremely frustrating. So here's an example of I have a iTunes account. I uh, have used this iTunes account for at least six or seven years it is linked to a personal credit card of mine, so everything just gets charged automatically to that. No problems in the past ever. Well, about six months ago, I had a erroneous charge show up on my, on my iTunes account, a movie rental that is a movie I'd never heard of, my family never heard of. Um, it was a pretty graphic horror movie, which is not exactly our style of film anyway. So sure. I knew somewhere there was an accident. And so I called Apple and explained that to them. And they said, oh, okay, well, we're concerned there may be fraud on your card. So you need to, we're going to have to, they didn't tell me this, but they basically said they're going to fix the problem. Well, fixing the problem meant deauthorizing my card as a charge card that could be used in the future. For anything? Yeah, for anything on iTunes. So basically I had to attach it to another, uh, like a debit card of mine. I really wanted to keep it on my American Express because I earn points and keep that rolling. But I had to put it in my checking debit card, so be it. 
Well, ever since I've done that, my every time I try to purchase something, it's hit or miss whether it actually gets goes through. And every time I call to find out why my purchase is not going through, they either have to reset something or they keep saying is because my account had been compromised at one point. All oh. this. So now I'm to a point where I'm trying to watch a film that I need to be renting to watch the very next day, and it doesn't go through. It it comes up and says there's problems. So I say, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to purchase it on my iPad, see if that will work. And lo and behold, it did work. It actually did purchase on my iPad. I can actually rent it, even though it's linked to the same card. So I'm still very confused what's going on. I think, well, I'm going to watch it on the iPad, and then I can just watch it on the Apple TV later mm-hmm. when I need to finish watching the video. I can just purchase it here, watch it there. Well, come to find out when you purchase a rent a rental a movie on your iPad, it will not let you play it on your Apple TV, even though it's all the same account. Wow. It only lets you play the, the movie on the device you rented it on. Of course, I didn't know that until I made the purchase, so now I'm having to watch the whole movie on the iPad, and then it started having technical problems playing as well. Overall, it was frustrating. I will say Apple was extremely helpful on the phone and very nice, so this was not a customer service problem from tone or personality or responsiveness. Yes. It's just a systems problem where you would think a customer, it should be very easy to navigate these things. And it's just continued to be a problem for me. So I'm saying it out there again. It's a first world problem in the grand scheme of things. It is really not anything I should be that bent out of shape about. But it was just annoying enough at 1130 at night when I'm trying to finish watching the movie <laughs> that I really would have liked for the things to work the way they're supposed to work. So yeah. um, even you can have the best customer service in the world company with Apple heads and tails above the reputation that Comcast has got out there. But yet even they are going to have their systems problems that you got to be on top of and make sure things work the way they're supposed to. Yeah, one other interesting point about what you said, uh, we've run into this with a lot of companies. It's just the concept of make it easy for me as a customer to give you money. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how many companies that we've worked with or talked with or, or news reports that we've read where so many of the customer complaints are about billing issues or refunds or you know, some of the you're talking about here with having to transfer payment plans. I mean, it's amazing how many organizations have issues that uh, are, are dealing with the customer paying you money mm-hmm. and, and they drive the customer into these uh, irate, complaint-oriented situations. Yeah. I'll give it to Apple. They refunded every purchase of mine during this whole little period whenever I had a frustration. So I have not had to pay for any of these movies that are either – shutting off on me in the middle of the movie or I can't get them on the device I need them to. So they're trying their best to make it right. But this is a deep systems issue that yes. it's just, I'm sure tricky to try to suss out and find out how to fix it, but uh, it is complicating. And you know, the thing that I, I, I was even telling Chris here in the office about it when uh, this happened for the life of me, I can't understand why you would be able to rent a movie on one device you own on the Apple ecosystem, all tied to that same iTunes account. It's yes. a 24-hour rental. It's not going to let you play it for any more than 24 hours anyway. Yes. Why in the world, if I wanted to start watching it on my laptop and decide I want to go sit in my living room and finish it on my Apple TV, why in the world I can't do that is still beyond me. You know, yeah. There's no value to Apple. I'm not going to rent it twice on two different devices. Unfortunately, what you're making me do is pick and choose a device to watch it on and resign myself to the fact that I have to stay and watch it on that device yes. in a 24-hour period, which to me, I just don't understand. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and people might frequently download via the phone or, or order it via the phone, but they want to watch it on TV at night. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, it's just 
Uh, they they got to look at whether it's a technology reason or there's some other business reason why that's being done because it doesn't seem like it's the best thing from the customer's perspective. No, it really is. And I guarantee there's been a lot of people who bought movies or rented things and not realized that limitation and got stuck with it. Um, so anyway, minor frustration there. It got all worked out in the end, but it's still something uh, I'm a little nervous next time I need to rent a movie. Quite honestly. So thinking about it from a client retention standpoint, I'm less and less likely to want to rent movies on there because I'm afraid that there's going to be another complication. Yes. And uh, that's something the companies need to keep in mind as well. So, yeah. All right. Ed, thanks so much for your time again today. Ed's at Customer Service Solutions. Uh, you can learn more about them on the web at cssamerica.com. And that's where you can go and sign up for a newsletter. You can get read some blog posts. Find out more of some of the services that Ed and his company are providing. And uh, it's just a great source of information and resources. If you like the kind of conversation we're having here on the show and the kind of messages we're talking about, uh, Ed's website at cssamerica.com is definitely a place to go to follow up more on that. And then you can learn more about my company at thejacksongroup.com where we talk about employee, customer, and market surveys that we conduct for a lot of organizations. Uh, let me remind you again. The Mesh is very happy to be partnering with the Greater Hickory Kia Classic happening on August, I'm sorry, October 13th through the 19th here in uh, Catawba County. Conover, North Carolina is the town. The Rock Barn Golf and Spa facility there is hosting the tournament, and they do an outstanding job. We really encourage you guys to come visit us here in western North Carolina October 13th through the 19th for a great PGA-level golf tournament. Uh, you can learn more about the event at greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. And, of course, here on TheMesh.tv, you can go and listen to old episodes of Stepping Up Service or any other show we have on The Mesh Network. Visit us at TheMesh.tv. You can also drop us an email at info at TheMesh.tv if you've got any thoughts or feedback on our episode today. Ed, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. You too, Alan. All right. Appreciate take care it. and uh, no canceling of cable service this weekend, okay? you got you got other things you need to do with your life. Don't, don't waste it all there. Do. Okay. All right. <laughs> take care, Ed. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.